0: Hello and thank you for joining us here on the Growth Medium podcast. My name is Sarah and I'm a first year medic here in the UK and I'm also co-host to the Growth Medium.
1: And my name is Mem, also a co-host on the Growth Medium podcast. I'm a third year biochemistry student and a blogger on bymem.com. Just to give you a little insight about who we are, we bust myths in science and health by talking to the experts and sprinkling a little bit of controversy in there.
0: I guess you could call us the Mythbusters.
1: Severe eye roll. Anyway, we use evidence based research as our weapons of choice. And don't forget, this season we're overlapping culture with science.
0: Absolutely. And to be part of all of this, all you have to do is join us every Monday as we learn more and grow our mindsets together. Enjoy, and let's get on to the episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to The
1: Growth Medium. And we're back with a style of episode that you guys seemed to really enjoy last season, but with a different topic. Uh, Today we're talking about being a black woman of colour in software
0: engineering. So you guys seem to really like um, Fariha's episode last season. So we thought we'd bring in a new perspective today. Um, And we are, obviously none of us are software engineers, but we are joined by someone who is. Um, We're joined by Amina Awis, who is a, a black woman working in this tech field. Amina, it's lovely to have you
1: here and we're excited to talk about your experiences in the field as it feels really inaccessible right now. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Hi guys, um, my name's Amina. I
2: am a software engineer and in terms of my journey, so I didn't take a very conventional route into software engineering as in like have a technical background, do, do computer science and get a degree. So I don't actually have a degree. Yeah. So um before I got into tech, I was actually working (laughs) in the film industry just before I switched. Oh wow. So it was very I had a very creative background. Um I was always within the marketing PR side of things. Um but I wanted to do something a bit more technical because I wanted to just have that balance of like using logic and problem solving with some creativity. And at the time, like I didn't think that the two could come together. So it was only when I was exposed to things like um, WordPress developing, UX, UI design, that's initially what caught my interest in the tech industry first of all. It wasn't until like I started digging a bit more that I would come across like HTML, CSS, JavaScript. And I'll just like watch YouTube videos about it, um, watch coding tutorials here and there. I hadn't actually fully started coding just yet. But then I realized like this seems really exciting. This seems quite promising. So I'm going to explore it a bit more and see how I can switch. And at the time, like this was around 2018. So this is before COVID. So I was able to like um, look at free events within London and I'll just like map out where I'm going to go for the day and just network with people whenever I wasn't working. And through that, I made connections with people that are already in the industry doing different things and that's when it confirmed for me like okay this is the industry i need to be in and so i was just doing my research i there was a point where i was looking at boot camps but obviously a lot of them are very expensive so it wasn't feasible for me um then i started tweeting about it like oh coding is a really cool skill something i want to pick up next and then one of my followers literally retweeted and shared with me um, a link to a boot camp application that was being um, co-run by code first girls and i applied And that bootcamp in in particular, they were experimenting. This is the first cohort where they got a group of girls that they were going to train up and prep them for um, being a full stack developer. So I applied to that. I didn't hear back for months. I was just going about my work while I was still in film. And it was around like November time when the course was starting, like a week before the start date that I actually um, got offered a place. And I was like, you know what? This is an opportunity you don't get it's not very often you get to do a full bootcamp for free. (laughs) So I was like, you know what, I'm interested. It's something that I've been like, um, researching about. This is an opportunity that doesn't come up very often. So let's see how it goes. And yeah, I did a four month bootcamp. Then I applied for um, a job as a full stack engineer. And yeah, here I am. That's essentially like, that's a nutshell of like how it went. But yeah, I didn't study I don't have a degree full stop. So I didn't go to uni and I was sort of like exploring my options because my a levels was quite, a lot of them were humanities based, but I was still very much in tune with the sciences. So I didn't know what I wanted to choose in the first place. So that's why I didn't even do a degree anyway. And I was sort of exploring my options. And then this was one one option that popped up that I was like, oh, I would have never thought this industry would be for me. So let me see what it's about. Um, Yeah, and I just got my foot in. <laughs> so
0: here I am now. Do you think that um, having gone through like the film industry, you bought something special that you wouldn't have if you just went through the conventional route?
2: Um, it's hard to say because I haven't done the conventional route, so I can't
0: compare. Yeah. But
2: I would say that having a different journey or a unique set of events that led to where I am now, I think it's definitely opened my eyes a bit more and I think it mm-hmm. has brought a fresh perspective. So like online people knew me for my writing and they knew me for all the creative stuff I was doing. And then all of a sudden I'm talking about programming. So a lot of people were curious like what happened? How did that happen? And you know, it's refreshing to be able to be in a space where at the moment it's not very diverse, but I know that I can at some point be able to mesh my creativity and my programming skills and do something cool with it. So I'm I'm really excited to explore that. And I think it has definitely Um, Opened up um, an avenue for some people who don't necessarily see people who look like me in the industry. A lot of the times we're assuming, like, to be able to code, you must have done it from a very young age. It must be something that you're passionate about. You have to be nerdy, good at maths. And it's like, that's not always the case. Um, And the industry is very broad. So, you know, coding isn't just the only way to get into the tech industry. There's so many other roles within the tech world that is available to explore and you can actually transfer some of the skills you have into those industries so yeah I think that's probably what I've brought so far Um, but I'm excited to see what else uh, I could bring because I I definitely know I want to shake some things up.
0: (laughs) That's good to hear it does need some shaking up definitely. Yeah like you know um, I always thought
1: that software engineering was super traditional like you said you had to be like good at math you had to be into the sciences and you had to like have a degree in computer science or something but I don't know I feel like as we were growing up it was just very much like you need to get a degree you need to get a degree but it's quite cool that you can do like these really interesting roles without having a degree and that type of thing is changing. So if we go like to the STEM aspects of it or the diversity aspects of it you were saying that the industry needs changing and I like definitely think that one of the issues is that a lot of the Um, lack of diversity and lack of inclusion is really systemic and it comes from like school level and so we made like an infographic on our Instagram about the leaky pipeline and one of the things that we found out is that black girls in particular when they're in school they're kind of misplaced in their math sets and their science sets did this ever affect you and like whether you could see yourself in a STEM role? Yeah so
2: it's funny you say that because I've actually been in situations growing up in school where I have been misplaced in sets and that's not even just limited to the sciences it's also the humanity subjects which I was actually good at so like I have been in situations where because English is not my first language there was the assumption that I'm just not good at English so that actually started from primary school where teachers couldn't understand why my reading age was so far ahead because for some reason you know because I wasn't born here I was born in Kenya books don't exist in Africa apparently so you know <laughs> um that is something and at the time obviously I'm a kid so I don't really understand it's only when you're looking back or like when you're hearing from like parents like oh this is how it used to be when I was younger that's when you start putting the dots together so that's something that's actually followed me from a very very young age where I'm always told like you know how come you can read how come you can you do this and it's like well you know <laughs> because I can, (laughs) I've been taught how to read. (laughs) So um, that actually happened um, from a very, very young age. Same thing with math, same thing with science, like it's not seen as like a girly subject. Same thing in sports as well. That was something that faced a lot of pushback, especially um, being a hijabi woman. Um, In fact, like I remember in year six, particularly there was, I was put in an ultimatum where I couldn't do my PE classes with my hijab on because apparently it was like a health and safety regulation thing. Um, I had to challenge that for three months uh, before I won my case. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've faced a lot of pushback just based on like how I'm perceived as both a Muslim woman and a black girl. Like it's a a lot. Um, And then that fed into like secondary school as well where um, my grades and what sets they were putting me at just didn't match. So like, for example, in year eight, you know I was getting A's and B's across the board but I was moved from set one to set three and I had to challenge that for like six months before they realized actually she doesn't need to do the foundation paper because she keeps getting C's and that's what's capped and there has been situations where I've seen other um, girls in class who are seen as quote-unquote disruptive where they get moved down a set because they feel like that's as far as you can go and that puts a limit to how much we can progress. Same thing happened in maths like You know, it wasn't until I pushed back where it's like, okay, cool. Now I'm being put in the right sets where it's set one across the board because that's where I'm actually performing at. So it's definitely something that happens from a very young age. Um, There are um, stories of people where young black boys will start year seven with this with similar grades as their white counterparts. But by the time they get to year eight, year nine, they're two, three grades behind and it's like where does the this where does it go wrong so I definitely feel like it starts from a very young age and I think with the tech gap it starts from primary school um because in my case computer science was not a subject that existed in the curriculum at all ICT was just playing around with PowerPoint and making graphs out of spreadsheets that's as far as it went so it wasn't even something that I like coding wasn't something that I was exposed to in school the closest to coding I was exposed to for a while was Myspace um, where it was fun and you can create your pages and add the audio and all that stuff that's as far as and at the time I didn't think much of it um, because it wasn't something that was encouraged and it's like our talents from a minority background it's not um, fueled enough we're not pushed enough because we're already facing this pushback from the jump. So you're already being boxed immediately. Like the girls are being pushed towards like quote unquote girly subjects, like, you know, nursing or teaching. And the boys are being pushed towards, you know, quote unquote masculine subjects like DIY and um, maths and science, you know? So it happens from a very young age and it's very subtle and it builds up over time. And then that just feeds into how um, it goes to like A-levels, university, university, and eventually the workplace. So I definitely agree with you in the fact that it starts from a very, very young age. And I have experienced pushback from beginning of time. And it's like, if I didn't have my dad, for example, advocating for me and pushing me and telling me like, no, we taught you how to read, we make sure you're doing your work, we've pushed you and we're going to keep pushing you. If I didn't have that sort of support system from a young age, I don't think I'd be where I am today. And that's also why I like doing what I do, because I also communicate with parents. Um, I've worked with kids before, like, you know just showing them like it is possible and I think pivoting into this industry it is showing little girls that you can be in the STEM field and you can look like this you can be black you can be Muslim and you can thrive in it and you don't have to be just one way I think the industry in general are starting to realize that you know we need these different minds we need um, people with different skill sets that aren't necessarily rigid to what they assume STEM is like problem solving is great but you need creativity you need empathy to you know influence the technologies that you're building so you know I think the doors are starting to open a little bit but it's about being in those spaces first and making sure you leave the door open for other people to come through and that's sort of where I see my position at the moment since I've joined this industry so
0: yeah yeah it's all about breaking these stereotypes. I think it's really important because, as you've said, some people who perhaps don't have the support system that you did find it very difficult to achieve, you know, what they can if they weren't placed in situations where they're limited or restricted. So um, computer science, I think, well, computer engineering is very male, white male dominated, I think. So how do you find diversity and inclusion where you work?
2: It doesn't really exist, so... Um... I think I'm like one of four women on the on the wider team and then in the software team up until a few months ago I was the only girl and in terms of like ethnic diversity like there's if I didn't exist the whole team would be white so um forget black forget muslim I'm literally the only non white person in the whole team full stop so um it's probably the first job I've ever worked in where I've not worked with anyone that looks like me, ethnically speaking or racially speaking. So it's been quite draining. I didn't think it would hit me that hard. And on top of that, I moved out of London for this job. So it's another aspect when you're not even in the city anymore. So at work, it's not diverse. Um, The general area you're living in is not diverse. So that does take a toll over time because you're thinking like, where is everyone kind of thing. And I grew up in London most of my life. up until like two years ago so I'm used to seeing diversity even if it's not in the workplace at least I know like after work I'll go hang out with my friends I'll go hang out with people go to events where I'm going to see different types of people whereas now it's like whoa you know it's only until there's like diversity and inclusion at meetings that have been set up where I know I'm going to be discussing things with people that look like me but there's not a lot it's been <laughs> it's been interesting to say the least
0: <laughs> I think when we're in London we forget how diverse and like how I guess, in a way, lucky we are to have such a a diverse community um, where it's different outside.
1: Did you find that, you know, you mentioned before that you had a lot of pushback when you were growing up in terms of being like misplaced in sets and etc. Do you still have that like where you work? And I'm assuming that still takes a toll on you as well. Yeah, like even
2: before I got into the tech industry, I've been in situations where um, I've walked into meetings that I've set up. And as soon as I walk in, I'm being told like, oh, I want my coffee like this. I want my coffee like that. Assuming that I'm just a little intern. Whereas actually, no, <laughs> I've set up this meeting because we're going to discuss X, Y, Z. Um, it, it's always, it's, it's very subtle at first or you're just being told like, oh, you know, um, you're not ready for this just yet. Or, you know, it's just a constant subtle pushback or like just being overlooked. Um, like there's times where I've been in meetings and I'm saying something, everyone's just carrying on the conversation then a white dude next to me will say the exact same thing and everyone's like oh my gosh yeah that's so cool let's do that um and it's it's a continuous thing and it's so subtle and it builds up over time that you start thinking like am i reading the situation right is it something wrong with me like am i overthinking it um it's not until you meet other people in the industry where they're like no I've experienced the same thing and you hear their perspectives and you're like oh wow so there's a pattern here um, so I still experience it to this day even now like the role that I'm in I always get a lot of pushback when I'm trying to like negotiate requirements before developing certain features um, or sometimes it's like if I'm too quiet there's a problem but if I speak too much there's a problem so it's like where's the balance because sometimes we what is seen as assertive when men are speaking, to me, they're viewing me as aggressive. So it's like, where do you find the balance of that? And that can be very mentally exhausting because you're just thinking like, okay, in my head, I just mean one thing, but now I have to think about how they're going to interpret what I'm saying and the emotions attached to it. Um, and it's a lot, it's really frustrating. But as I think the difference now is that I've, I'm at the point where I'm here, so I belong here and if that's how you want to perceive me, then that's up to you, and I feel a lot more confident pushing back with the pushback that I get, whereas before I was a bit hesitant. Now that I'm aware of how the corporate world works and where I fit into all of this, it's a bit more, I'm a bit more alert to it, whereas before I'd be a bit blindsided by it, like, oh wow, I didn't mean that, whereas now it's like, I know that's what you think I meant, but I'm telling you that this is what I actually meant, so yeah, it's been interesting. It does. Follow- I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. Um, it has followed me my whole life, so it just it is where it is.
1: Yeah, it's it's really it's really unsettling. Like that, like, this is the situation, and then you add like the different intersections as well, because you mentioned that um, you know being perceived as like more aggressive uh, compared to your like male con- counterparts, and that's something that's like really well known when it's like uh, women versus men, right? Like if women are bossy or they're uh too loud etc and then you add the perceptions of being muslim and then the perceptions of being black and it just it's it's terrible um I think like let's just uh, define what diversity and inclusion means really quickly because I think some people can get them quite muddled so diversity is quite obvious it's um, just having different types of people around you in your company in your vicinity whatever and then inclusion is more about what you do with that diversity so are you listening to their opinions are you encouraging and championing their contributions in the workplace that type of thing they are different but they're quite interlinked so naturally when we address diversity we're also addressing um, inclusion or we should do so so when you as you mentioned like in your work and in your field um, diversity and inclusion basically don't exist so how do you think that you know your work or the field can make improvements in this area?
2: Um, I think you're definitely right in terms of how the two are interlinked I personally feel like you can't have inclusion without diversity and vice versa and I think one of the biggest issues that a lot of companies are having when it comes to trying to you know sort this issue out is that they fail to see that it's a structural problem so you can i'm in the team so technically for you there's a tick box done and sorted but that's not inclusion because i'm just being seen as a token at this point where the issue happens when it comes to these companies is the hiring process um the senior management the hr process like why is there such a cutoff where there is enough people from different backgrounds applying for these jobs but somehow by the time it gets to the final stages of the interview most people are white with the exception of maybe one or two so something is happening in that process on a structural level that needs to be addressed and I think that's what that's something that a lot of companies are failing to see or choosing not to see um because I've been in situations where I've been part of like diversity hiring schemes and diversity pro- um, programs and workshops, but it's not addressing the structural and organizational issue that you have. Um, you can't decide, OK, one day we're just going to hire 20, I don't know, black and Asian people and leave it at that. That's my job done. You're not fostering an environment where it's inclusive for them, where they feel safe and comfortable, where they can actually progress. You're sort of just capping them in this box just so you can tick off your own box that, oh, look, we've got more than one person that's not white. Um, And I think when it comes to the hiring process, also, there's people behind that and they have biases and they have, you know, leniency towards white applicants. So that needs to be addressed. But in order for that to be addressed, you need to have a group of people in that area that are diverse to enable employees that are being hiring through this process to feel included so that's where diversity and inclusion go hand in hand and I think the issue is that a lot of companies and a lot of brands are separating the two where they see like oh diversity is just here's a checklist inclusion here's a checklist but the two need to be linked so that it actually feels like you're fostering an environment for people that aren't white and also making sure that they're able to get into these spaces in the first place um that that's personally how i see it i think the problem is structural and the problem starts with um senior management because there's also the issue of okay you've got your your the, the we can see diversity at like the lower level so like the beginner the juniors maybe mid but then the senior management um, the managers the directors it's all white so again it goes back to that structural issue why is it not filtering down throughout the organization for you to now be claiming diversity and inclusion if it's only the people at the bottom and everyone else at the top don't understand what it means to be diverse and inclusive as a company then you know you're not really solving anything you're just putting a band-aid it's just a band-aid solution essentially um so that's that's how I view it
0: yeah, and it's funny you say about like the che- checklist. I have a friend um who was applying to something, and they they were basically on their website. They mentioned that oh uh, they um have to um allow or accept a certain percentage of um, my ethnic minorities onto their program, and then she was thinking like, well, what if they were just accepting me because. It's checking, you know, it's ticking a box, and not for my skills and for the the strength of my application. And so, I guess it brings that new emotions and on top on top of it as well.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I've been in the situations where even now I'm looking around me. I'm like, did you guys actually hire me because of my skill set and what I can learn and progress in, or? is it because it's ticking the boxes that you need to fill the company's quota? Um, and I've experienced that as well in other industries that I've been in, where I'm looking around, I'm like, do these people actually take me seriously? Or do they, are they being forced to take me seriously because of my background? And 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 it gets frustrating. I understand where some of those quotas are coming from, where they're being forced to, because they're trying to reach a target that they've been put up against. Um, and, and again, that that is part of the whole band-aid solution. Like, you know, dictating saying 5% of the workforce in this company needs to be from a certain background isn't going to change the issues that people from minority backgrounds face in the work environment. Um, The passive aggressiveness, the microaggressions, um, the lack of inclusion within their own circles in the workplace. It's not going to address any of that because again, there isn't really a natural working culture in that company where it's Inclusive anyway. So it doesn't matter what percentage you hit or what quota you have that you need to meet, it's not changing anything. Because another aspect is that the retention rate for a lot of um, people that go into these industries and apply for these jobs and stay in these roles, the retention rate is very low. Um, and that needs to be explored more. Why is it that a lot of um, women of color in tech? don't want to stay in the industry for that long and don't progress high up enough in most cases. And they tend to move around a lot. What's causing that? What's causing people to quit their jobs so early on in their careers? Um, Because it's one thing bringing people in that are from diverse backgrounds, but it's another thing, keeping them there and not just keeping them on the same level, keeping them there and allowing them to progress in their careers in a similar way as their white counterparts, because career progression as well is very different for Black or ethnic diverse um, person in comparison to a white person. Why is that? Where's what's going wrong there? So it, it comes. It's always going to be on a structural level. That's where the the root of the issue is. You can't keep saying, oh yeah, here's an initiative here. Let's have a hashtag here. Let's post a bunch of black squares on Instagram here. Like that's not solving the issue. That is always going to be there. The elephant in the room is <laughs> what's happening higher up and what's happening on a structural level. So. Yeah, I've definitely experienced being in environments where I'm thinking like, am I just the quota or am I the token? Or do you guys actually, have you guys actually read my CV and see
1: what I can do? Um, Yeah, it's an interesting space to be in. Just like, as you guys were talking about that, I kind of thought of an experience that I had. And like, I've never been in a a corporate job, obviously, I'm still in uni, but um, I've never, like, I've had two jobs and both were retail. And the first retail job I had um their interview process um was quite intense for a retail job actually like we had a group interview and all the hiring managers were white and then I ended up getting the job tell me why all my co-workers were also white and I mean they were white from different parts of Europe so I guess yeah but um the issue came where I was performing as well if not better than my co-workers but I was constantly being told that I was not performing as well as them and that is the yeah, fact was... that you've just mentioned that <laughs> sorry I just have to interrupt
2: because I'm literally in a situation like that right now <laughs> it's where so bad. I'm taking on like four to five people's jobs when I'm not supposed to and one I'm being underpaid and I know that I'm I've, I've discovered recently that I'm not actually being paid the same as someone else doing the exact same job as me and on top of that I've been marked down as underperforming and it's so insane that you say that
1: because it happens everywhere. <laughs> it's so bad. Like imagine like this is just a small retail job and this is like, that's the experience that I had. I can't imagine obviously in your position and it, I still get really annoyed about that um, situation because I know for a fact that I wasn't under working. I was working really, really hard at that job. But again, you're always kind of like, I don't know, there's always that chatter between management that, oh, yeah, this person's not doing that well. And then because you're the only brown person on the team, well, for my case, it's being brown, you're kind of like, wait, what's going on here? Am I supposed to be here? You really don't feel like you fit in. So, yeah, that's just like something that I thought of as you guys were talking about the quota. So, you mentioned before, again, like the pushback that you had in your education and then your career. Do you find that being a black woman in software engineering specifically presents any issues like you talked about, you know, being marked down as um underperforming? Do you have any other issues like that that happens um because of the racism? Um
2: it's just more of like that feeling of not being part of the team but also being part of the team? Like even if everyone's nice because my colleagues tend to be nice that There's nothing really wrong with them, but it's just there's a certain level of unfamiliarity that you have with them because you're just you don't have the same experiences. Um, I think an example I can give was like earlier in the year with all the protesting and um, the awareness that was being raised on Black Lives Matter, for example. There's all these events happening on a global scale that is affecting my own community. But I will tune in to work every morning and people are just talking about like gardening and, you know what they did in the weekend and it's like whoa we are in two different worlds and it's almost like you're in a bubble where you think everyone can see you but no one's really like noticing you if that makes sense like they know that you're there they can see your name on the screen especially now because we're all working virtually um which I think makes it harder to you know pick up on those little subtle hints because everything's happening behind the screen it's like yeah for months on end I was just going to these meetings and everyone was just talking about their weekends and it's just all fun and vibes you would not even think that there's a pandemic going on you would not even be thinking like you know half the world's erupting in chaos and you're just there like completely zoned out because you're now you're taking in all this information about what's happening around the world affecting black people and it is taking a toll on you mentally and no one's noticing it and no one's picking up at no one's thinking like wait We have a black person on the team. Let's make sure she's okay with what's happening in the world. It wasn't until I flagged it up, I was like, guys, you do realize like, you know, I'm the only black person on the team. Like, you guys talk about things like nothing's happening in the world. And it has taken a toll on me. And I have felt I've I've been withdrawing as a result. And no one picked up on it. And it was then that the sympathy started pouring in, etc. And it's like, okay, but you know, like I shouldn't have to do that. Like Mm And I think that's where the struggle comes in, like when you don't have anyone that looks like you and the the team is not diverse. So it, it even caps the empathy without them even realising they're doing that, because I don't think like their intentions were necessarily malicious. It's just they're not aware. They have the privilege of being able to just tune in from what's going on in the world and just live their life because it's not affecting them on a systemic level the way it does for us. Um, so it, it can be it can be very daunting and frustrating and it can be very very emotionally draining and I think um the pandemic has probably added to that and working from home has added to that um but yeah
0: there's even the small little things that oh you can't relate to or have a chat about um and that makes the workspace I guess a bit more inviting and comfortable uh that's absent so yeah yeah
1: I think um so I think a lot of people still have reservations or fears about entering a field where they don't really see themselves um do you have any tips for anyone who might be black might be brown and they're trying to get into software engineering and they don't really know where to start or they've got those reservations the cool thing with the tech industry is like
2: once you get your foot in like you're in so what i focus on is making sure you're just competent in what you're doing um it's one of those things where at the end of the day what you're programming doesn't care about your personality doesn't care it doesn't know you you're giving it instructions and you're writing code to give it a set of conditions instructions to do something right so for me personally I am more focused on being competent being aware of my surroundings and just doing the best I can and then responding to the to what the environment where is my workplace is giving me and taking in those hints um It was very hard when I started out because everyone talks about like getting into tech, but you don't hear a lot about how to stay and maintain yourself in like your first role when you're junior. So I would say if you have managed to get in or you're thinking about joining the tech industry, it's a promising industry in terms of what you can do for your career, in terms of the money, in terms of a lot of things, but just be prepared for the pushback. And when you feel pushback, Go back to the skills that is needed for the specific job that you're doing. Not necessarily. It doesn't even necessarily have to mean what your job has to be coding, but whatever role you're doing, focus on being competent with that because the tech industry is one of the few industries where your skills can actually directly affect how much you get paid, how far you progress, and, you know, what you can do and, and, and what you can bring to the table in this industry. So focus on that heavily. And while you're also doing that, find communities that look like you even if they're not in the workplace like one thing I really do like about this industry is the communities that I've built online the tech space is quite welcoming outside of the corporate environment a lot of people online have like group chats a lot of them are on Twitter they're all like open about their experiences as you know being from minority background in the industry so you know tap into those people as soon as you can because you'll be advised on things that you wouldn't pick up necessarily because you're so new to the industry um so I would focus on that like do do the work because getting into tech is one thing but maintaining yourself in the industry is another thing and it does come with its hurdles it does come with its struggles but if you focus on your craft and you're in touch with the communities that look like you who are also in the tech space who are also like struggling in their ways who may have more experience than you then you should be fine that's what I've picked up from my experience so far and it's just document your journey and you know share it with people because one thing that's worked really well for myself is I'm learning new things I'm documenting it and then I'm sharing it and so then people are seeing okay so see this person from this background in this industry she seems like she's doing fine and then when they see the stuff that I'm documenting, they're like, oh, my gosh, I've experienced that microaggression in the workplace. I've experienced pushback. And then there's like that relation. And it's like, OK, cool. So they I can understand where this person is coming from because I've experienced it, too. So, you know, let me give myself a heads up when I do get into this role, when I do get into this um industry and just give myself a heads up. So really tap into your community online because there's so many people that are willing to help that look like you. There are so many people that are willing to give you advice, plug you with opportunities. Um so yeah, those two things. Focus on your craft and find your community.
0: I love that. It's honestly I think it's like twice the reward when you you empower yourself um by sharing your story and then you also empower others. Um so it's really important to do that. Um but hopefully like there can be some rapid improvements over the years uh, in diversity and inclusion both Uh, but thank you for those tips
1: yeah frankly it's 2020 well I get uh, 2021 when you guys listen to this but there's such a this is such a huge issue in so many fields and it's being addressed in such shallow ways and as you said Amina like the issue is systemic so
0: definitely more needs to be done you're welcome Yeah well I'll see what I can rattle
2: while I'm here (laughs) I've not been here for very long so (laughs) Um, yeah like I just want to use my platforms and use whatever voice I have to really be honest and transparent about my experiences in this industry how to progress plug people opportunities where I can and see where it goes because Mm -hmm. it's a bit of a mess here (laughs) so (laughs) something needs to give in and I'm not giving in so (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes inshallah.
0: Okay, dick So I think that will wrap up today's episode. Uh, we hope our listeners enjoyed. We hope you listeners enjoy this episode. It's a different feel to what we normally talk about, but still women in STEM need to stay together and, and support each other and uh, throughout the whole journey. I think it's really, really important.
1: Yeah, I definitely okay. agree. Thank you so much, Amina, for chatting with us. Your insights were particularly interesting because, I mean, like you hear about this a lot, but you don't hear it from like you hear the stats you don't hear individual perspectives so i really you know liked what you had to say today and i'm sure it'll be valuable for some of the listeners that we have
2: yeah definitely yeah i think it's just about being transparent about your journey and the reality of it and that's sort of like how i've always carried myself in every industry so yeah that's basically how i'm doing it with my youtube with my social media just in general like document share it. is basically how i go about it so yeah that's the way to go isn't it
0: okay thank you everyone so much for listening um as always we'll have amina's links in the show notes and the references too um until next time bye bye guys bye